0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is May the 15th, the Monday, 2023. As always, I'm talking to you from San Francisco on the edge of Silicon Valley, uh, which is, of course changing the world and has done for the last few decades. Um, with all the brouhaha over chat GPT and AI, perhaps we've lost the real story of what's changing, which is the way in which uh, um, tech entrepreneurs like Elon Musk, uh, who has a company called Star SpaceX and uh, Jeff Bezos's Blue Origins, are colonizing space lots of news on that front uh in the last few weeks SpaceX has just hired a very senior person from NASA it launched 56 new satellites uh, over the last few weeks uh and of course this explosion the spaceX explosion is suggesting to some people that these companies need to be regulated or certainly Uh, We need more state oversight in terms of these startups. Uh, Blue Origin um, is also participating in a new round of collaboration with NASA on space tech. We are talking space tech today, not just uh, Bezos and and Musk's companies. And actually, we're focusing on other companies with my guest, Ashley Vance, many of you will be familiar with him. He's the author of the best-selling book about Elon Musk. And he has a new book out, When the Heavens Went on Sale: The Misfits and Geniuses Racing to Put Space Within Reach. And he's joining us from Mountain View, just down the peninsula, where, which is probably the geographical heart of Silicon Valley. Um, Ashley, welcome. Congratulations on the new book. I wonder, in... 20, 30 years when tech historians look back at the 2020s, whether there'll be more about your story of when the heavens went on sale versus the AI stuff. Are they connected or are they revolutions
1: in parallel? Yeah, I've been <clears throat> lately, especially um, as AI seems to have taken off so much the last few months. Um, you know, in the near term, they are connected. We've, we've put up hundreds to thousands of imaging satellites in space in just the last few years. AI is, is running across these images to pull out sites about our planet to count every tree, their biomass, how much carbon dioxide they can suck up and when to harvest crops and things like that. Um, so, you know, I think AI is going to have a huge role this satellite that i write about i also think my book doesn't get into this so much because it's focused on the near term but you know philosophically if mankind has a purpose i guess maybe it is to put our intelligence out through the universe and and now we have a question it's our intelligence or an intelligent created
0: yeah and perhaps we might put inverted commas around intelligence some people might suggest it's not entirely intelligent to go into space and broadcast where we are to the rest of the universe Uh, many people as I said would be familiar with your first book Elon Musk uh, Tesla SpaceX and the quest for a fantastic future it's a huge hit and congratulations on that I think when they see this book, and I admit I saw this, I thought, oh, this is just going to be another book on Elon's uh, adventures in space. But it isn't, is it, Ashley? It's a it's a much broader book than just Elon Musk ventures into space.
1: Yeah, much, much broader. Um, Elon's really, SpaceX is really only in there, in the prologue, um, just to kind of kick things off as an incident. But I spent five years going all around the world kind of purposely avoiding the billionaires like Elon and, and Basin and focusing more on the the Wild West. Um, it's got it breaks down roughly into four stories about them. a company called Planet Labs, Rocket Lab, which is a rocket maker in New Zealand, Astra, a rocket maker in San Francisco, and Firefly, which is really the story of this Ukrainian man named Max Polyakov who buys a bankrupt rocket company in Texas but you know this book is meant to be um, I just had sort of unparalleled access to the five years and and spent thousands of hours with these kids. It's just a story of what commercial space looks like and and how chaotic it is right now. Uh,
0: The book is called When the Heavens Went on Sale and it's an interesting title. It suggests the commercialization of space itself, quite literally. Uh, and c- Can we contrast uh, the companies that you cover, and we're going to deal with it, each of them, and Firefly, and Planet Labs and Rocket Labs, with NASA, with, American, with the American Initiative, which, of course, launched the original space race with the Russians? Have we seen simultaneously, uh, Ashley, the rise of these private startup space companies and the decline, perhaps even the crisis of organizations like NASA.
1: I mean, I would argue, yes, you know, still doing some fantastic things. Um, but what I found reporting this, it, it, shock. In some ways, we think of space as this very futuristic sci-fi. Movie and and yes we did incredible things in the, the 60s and 70s and then things really did not change very much the the rockets stayed the same the underlying technology improved dramatically there was no embrace of the consumer electronics revolution anything like that and and so these companies you know are are moving much faster they're using much more modern technology the story of Planet Lab, which came out of Silicon Valley's Ames Center, um, is really a story of of the rejection and and how much um, NASA almost tried to to kill all of these interesting new ideas.
0: Why? Why did NASA... Were they scared? Did they see them as rivals?
1: Yeah, they they have
0: this... Or perhaps did they have some wisdom that some private entrepreneurs don't have when it comes to their initiatives
1: no I mean it's this allergic reaction to, uh, to, to doing things different protecting their cash cows <laughs> the, there's, uh, there's in the book is this this man named Pete, Pete Warden he was an astrophysicist and a general force and he took over NASA Ames in the early 2000s and he, he brought in just a ton of, of 20 somethings who he wanted to go and chase new ideas and try to do things differently within NASA. Pete had always been this kind of iconoclastic uh, maker with him. and and you, quite literally I write in the book you know he had a program going to make a, a 20 million dollar moon lander as opposed to like a 300 million or moon lander to hide it. He had NASA. He had to hide it from Congress every time someone got a wish that this was they tried to shut it down. He had people working in, in basically closets um, so they, they wouldn't be seen. And it was simply because nobody would know that, that a was possible because it would wreck all of the, these contracts and, and NASA's budget As I mentioned
0: at the beginning, there are more calls for um, oversight of Musk's SpaceX after the explosion. But I'm curious, do governments, and you've obviously given a lot of thought to this, and I assume the people you cover have to deal with it on a daily basis. Does the American or the Chinese or the Russian government or the EU, do they have the right to, to regulate this stuff? I mean, I understand they may be able to regulate stuff on their own territory, but once you get up into space, once you get up into space in what you call the heavens, then is this literally the Wild West?
1: It is It is to write to draw this distinction. What happens here, That of regulation in each country around rockets. You can launch them. Can you launch them safely? There's some regulation. When you're putting a satellite, is it going to interfere with other countries? communications satellite bodies that that try to coordinate this but once you the truth is that once your satellite is in orbit um there's very little regulation i mean this is kind of like you get there first and and you ask for forgiveness later new zealand as far as i'm aware is the only country that has regulations in place to guarantee that you you deorbit these satellites well, to, to really monitor what's going to happen to them over their lifespan. Otherwise, you're up there and and you're pretty free to do as you please. And it's involved like Rocket Lab is this rocket company based in New Zealand. And they had already built a rocket, but they essentially had to ask for permission to exist. You know, ICBM, they're part of this treaty alliance and doesn't really want another country that's able to build an ICBM and it, it took them about 18 months of politicking to actually exist and be able to fly their rocket but the all countries like that at, at all obviously
0: yeah it's 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 a really interesting situation i know you traveled you said you did many thousands of miles you traveled to some uh... The most uninhabited places on Earth, some Pacific islands, is that because these entrepreneurs use the use these islands to do what they probably wouldn't have been allowed to do uh, in the United States or in Europe or certainly in China?
1: Uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of a physics reason behind this, and a safety reason, and then you know, partly what you're alluding to most of the launch sites tend to be as close to the equator as possible the earth actually spins faster in the middle it gives the rockets um, a bit of boost extra boost and then obviously you tend to be near water and if you launch the rocket it just has much less chance of doing destruction um, back on land so as a result yeah you know most of the launch sites tend to be in quite poor remote areas when i went to go visit them it's, it's again the opposite of what you're expecting from space it's it's quite uh the many of them felt like they were trapped in the 1970s and the infrastructure around them was quite antiquated um but you know it's, it's a little bit less about, about trying to from the regulators towards and just the nature of this exercise yeah the way you
0: describe space, the the metaphor of 18th and 19th century America comes to mind, uh, a frontier world. Is that a a useful metaphor, uh, Ashley, to imagine humans colonizing space or trying to colonize space in the same way as they colonized the West in in the United States?
1: I think so. That's the way it's played out in my mind. I know people probably don't love to hear that, Um, but this is... We get hung up a lot on on the Mars colonies and moon bases and space tourism. But if you think about the hardest low Earth orbit and filling it full of satellites, it is just real estate. And, and it's new real estate. It's real estate that's barely controlled by a handful of governments for 67 years and, and no longer is. And and again, it's, it's kind of whoever gets there first really gets to put their, their stake in the ground and control it. Um, we've seen this with with SpaceX and Starlink. You know, they, they're putting up so many satellites so much faster than their competition. And and a country like China is deeply concerned about this. SpaceX's rivals argue that their satellites maybe are interfered, maybe aren't safe, and, and SpaceX is just pushing forward and, and putting their systems in place. Describe to me
0: the 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 level of it, um, the level of ambition when it comes to space. I mean, obviously, space is to put it mildly a large place. They're not going to other universes, uh, are they? When when the heavens are going on sale, are they currently on sale? Where in Mars, on the Moon, or on other planets, or can they get beyond our own solar system? Are there, um, uh, is there ambition to to get where? quite literally, in Star Trek terms where we've never been before?
1: Maybe one day, but definitely not in the near term. I mean, right much about low-Earth or putting these satellites up. I think of this as like the the lens of the 1996 internet tons of fiber optic cables. We're building all these data centers. In the book, we're building a shooting shell around the Earth. I think the next add-on to that is is arriving quite quickly, which are private to the moon ambitions to do manufacturing there, um, do all sorts of uh, new experiments and, and can Martin of all companies as a, a startup that's putting satellites around the moon already or, or attempting to do. And so I think these are the first that get colonized and and, um, and taken over by corporations.
0: So of these companies, Astra, Firefly, Alpha, Planet Labs, Rocket Lab, do they have different business models? I mean, these are private businesses, presumably uh, financed by investors and venture capitalists. What's What are their business models? How are they going to make money out of what they're doing?
1: Yeah, you know, you you buy into either a ride or a satellite company, and then those things are starting to blow. Blur quite dramatically now um, with companies doing a little bit of everything. But Planet Labs is a satellite maker. They, they make their money selling these images uh, of Earth. Rocket Lab is a small rocket maker. They're, after SpaceX, the only really successful um, commercial rocket company. They've already gone public. They've flown dozens of times. Uh, they carry satellites, almost like the face Astra is a is a budding rocket maker. They're trying to dramatically lower the cost uh, of rockets to just a couple million dollars each, mass producing them once a day, launching them once a day. Firefly makes a larger rocket, but the the story there really is this this very eccentric man named Maxov who came from Ukraine. He bought a bankrupt rocket maker, Firefly. He put two hundred and fifty million dollars his own money and then the u.s government threw him out of the country um war in ukraine started
0: where are we you're a historian and a, a writer on tech ashley clearly this story isn't going away but usually these sectors have one or two to, to, to extend the metaphor of space and, and flying a uh, full start shall we say the rac- the rocket comes crashing down to earth that certainly happened with AI. And it's caught everyone by surprise, or most people by surprise. Do you expect there to be bigger players in this space, bigger companies, more visibility before anything really happens? Or were, were we already in the revolution in the in real in real time and in a real sense?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, SpaceX right now is just the it's a running laps <laughs> around everybody else and around all of the existing space players. I mean, it, it is the world's most successful rocket company. It is the world's most successful satellite company, um, and and shows no signs of slowing down in terms of the the number of satellites. From 1960 to 2020, we'd put up 2,500 satellites. Uh, that number over the past three years has gotten up to about 8,000. It's heading towards 200,000 over the next decade. And, and that is something on the order of that is happening now and, and will continue to happen. Um, we, however, are already seeing the a reckoning take place. You know, during the, the SPAC craze, we saw about a dozen space companies go public. We'd never really had a public space company before before. Um, half of those maybe more than half are already running out of money (laughs) and the rocket companies have had a particularly tough tough ride of of being able to get to orbit consistently and so um you know i think we're going to see writ large this continue but there's going to be a bit of a washout with the first players
0: yeah back in the 60s america of course had its sputnik moment now people use that term we had a a writer on the American healthcare system called Stephen Bezrushka on the show talking about why America needs a Sputnik moment to reform its healthcare system. Do you think that we need a Sputnik moment when it comes to space, perhaps to revitalize NASA, perhaps to be a little bit more responsible, perhaps to get more input from uh, ordinary citizens on on, on on what we do and don't want to do in space?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, well, part of the reason I wrote this book because I felt like people would pay attention to what was going on, and they might want to weigh in on this this uh, explosion right. of activity that's taking place. But you know, for SpaceX, this is not some like celebration of Elon. Musk, it's just the, the facts. The U.S. space program was in really bad shape. You know, we the space shuttle had been retired. NASA wasn't doing anything. All that. Terribly interesting. The Lockheed and Boeing were just charging tons of money to take stuff. We couldn't get humans to the ISS. We used Russian engines on our rockets, and China was coming, spending money on space and, and would be the dominant player. Um SpaceX came along. Now there's all these startups. The US is by far the leader in um, and has has just this incredible amount of activity. So in that in that sense we don't need a sputnik moment or we already had one and, and the us is doing quite well i think your questions around um does there need to be more supervision on this i, I think it tends to tends to go where you feel uh, on the capitalism spectrum you know i i uh, i'm sure we will repeat mistakes in low earth orbit that we've repeated here. I also tend to think it's inevitable and that the regulators don't tend to do that great of a job. I mean, the regulators
0: don't even know how to regulate Twitter or Facebook or Google. God knows how they're going to regulate space. And maybe in terms of a Sputnik moment, rather it's the Americans that need the Sputnik moment. It's the Chinese. You've mentioned them a couple of times. I have to admit, I'm surprised that, you suggest that America is the leader. I always took it for granted that the Chinese, so what's happening in China? Why are now the Chinese trailing behind the Americans? Is it because the two models of a more centralized socialist system in China or socialist capitalist system in China is not as innovative or dynamic as the American free enterprise anarchy?
1: Yeah, I I mean, China, you know, first of all, had a lot ground to make up in, in government without question has has made this more of a focus than the US government they're putting more money into it china's doing very ambitious missions has their own space station moon um is fantastic in terms of private companies nowhere close they you know they have the usual sort of quasi um quasi private company that's mostly government backed when you lookers of what they're showing they are quite literally copying SpaceX's. They, they don't have reusable rockets yet like SpaceX does. They don't have um, a space internet constellation like the U.S. does. And in fact, the U.S. is about to have multiple. And so so on the commercial side, they're, they're behind. As far as this being a national priority, I would say they're still ahead. It doesn't seem like Americans um, really care about space and NASA like they used to. You've
0: done a lot of thinking about uh, Elon Musk. You, you're, you're the Too man much. people call. I'm Too curious. much. <laughs> <laughs> I sick to on him. But I do have a question. I mean, you've noted that SpaceX is way ahead of everyone else. Musk is more in the news about Twitter than about SpaceX or, or, or Tesla. What, if it's such a remarkable achievement, why isn't Elon Musk just focusing on SpaceX? Why is he wasting his time with Twitter?
1: It's the single most puzzling thing about this whole Twitter thing for me. You know, there was there was one story about Elon that was easy to understand, which was that SpaceX was his baby of all his companies. The colony on Mars was his driving life's ambition. I pretty much always figured that he would eventually pull away from Tesla and and these other things and just spend all of his time on SpaceX. And it looked like it was. Heading that way for a while, he you know, he'd moved to Texas close to the Starship program more and more time there than his other companies. Tesla's in much better shape than it used to be. And then Twitter came along. I mean, I I Elon and I have had a really bumpy relationship, but we talk quite well. You're not
0: unusual. I mean, you at least you you have a (laughs) bumpy relationship. Most people don't have a relationship at
1: all with him. This is true. Um, and you know, I when he first bought Twitter, I was like, What are you doing? I mean, this it just struck me as a rejection of like all this stuff he kind of stood for you know in my book i argued that he was he was like this guy who was more than bits he wasn't doing like consumer internet services that i uh, am so cynical about and tired of and and i just appreciate there were some more interesting things with machines and hard engineering and now here <laughs>
0: so in an odd way, he's he's not one of your misfits and geniuses who's racing to put space within reach. He, he was, but he isn't anymore. He's focusing on boring issues like how to monetize Twitter and how to sell more advertising on Twitter.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, SpaceX is enormous um, and is this very successful business. And look, Starship is ambitious of a rocket that that you could imagine. I mean, not only would it be able to take many tons of, of stuff into Mars, but also an ungodly number of satellites that I can even imagine. So that that is all still happening. I am just shocked that he's... Um...
0: I mean, he's a very competitive guy. There's a piece about how he's very competitive with Bezos in space. I'm guessing he's competitive with Richard Branson as well. Uh, are these guys competing or is that just a, a no. figment of a, a, a sort of celebrity imagination where we assume that all Elon Musk thinks about is how he can beat Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson
1: well like in terms of space i mean elon's won. you know blue origin started almost the same same time as, as spacex it's never flown you know it does these these tourist flights just to the edge
0: yeah yeah it's surprising just, but, but my, uh Bezos is a an, another very smart dynamic brutal businessman. I'm I'm surprised that he's been embarrassed so much with Blue Origin versus SpaceX.
1: Blue Origin is, is shocked sure there's many smart and you know well-meaning people that work there. They it's been 20 years they've never said anything to orbit um not a single satellite you know i mean spacex has done like a hundred rocket launches in a row they're launching almost every day now and, and virgin um virgin orbit which was branson's satellite.
0: yeah is, it, or is that virgin galactic or well, virgin orbit is it changed its name
1: no no virgin orbit does satellites they just went bankrupt about three weeks ago and then virgin galactic and company and it's obviously you know was doing flights and then had to shut down and says they're going to resume they do you know some heroic number of flights that ever earned the amount of money they've spent back
0: it's interesting stuff a very very ambitious book um uh, Ashley, were you uh, try, are you trying on this one to emulate the great Tom Wolf? Uh, the right stuff is there just as uh um Elon has crushed uh, um Bezos, are you in competition with Wolf <laughs> in, in your new book?
1: I would never be so presumptuous.
0: He's as a to tough guy it, to take on, I, isn't he? Uh, Tom Wolf. You don't want to mess with him. I did even throw- if he isn't around anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> did, you know, in it I want people to know, I mean, I'm not claiming I'm Tom Wolfe. I did want to sort of emulate and bring this up to a modern age. I mean, this is not, yes, I talk about business things in the book. Can I talk about this? This is not a business book. It's a, it's a story. It's a people book, yeah. You know, the misfit the geniuses. It's who about are- a bunch of crazy characters doing crazy things. And I, I tried to do it in the Wolfian style, I suppose, of like basically living with these people for years and, and writing about, all the good, the bad, the weird, drug deals, you know, crazy. All kinds of crazy stuff in there.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's, I'm sure um, actually it's going to be a bestseller like the other one. Finally, two, 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 two questions, which I, I think are on a lot of our audience's mind, both our viewers and our listeners. What should, in all seriousness, I mean, it, it's, it's fine to make jokes about these misfits and geniuses, but what should we be worrying about? when it comes to what can they what damage could they theoretically do both to our species and to the universe
1: well you know quite obviously if we we move to this regime where we have two hundred thousand satellites in earth orbit we if we can actually make in in a in a meaningful sophisticated well, what way, could go
0: really wrong i mean could they all come crashing down to earth could they create you know, could they give everyone on Earth cancer? I mean, what's the worst that could happen out of all this? The
1: the worst thing re- really is people fear this thing called the Kessler syndrome, where you have one um, incident take place, and this kind of cascading debris exponentially grows and grows and grows. And it sounds maybe dramatic, but it's a very real concern. It would render low Earth orbit unusable, you know, for... In the future it would also undermine stuff we pay, something like gps which is like the glue of the, the modern world would just be broken and never never come back and and all this potential that we talk about of like expanding through the universe and exploring other planets that would all be gone as well
0: so in a way perhaps rather than thinking of it in the context of ai we should be thinking of this in the context of the debate the conversation the concern over global warming and the environment this is a piece of the environmental conversation if it goes wrong it can not just wreck the the weather but 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 the very or as you say the very orbit the the infrastructure of of our planet
1: the infrastructure of modern life our sort of opportunity as a species i mean i think that's the one Human nature being we know what happens when there's a new territory to be conquered and, and uh, capitalized on. And historically, we haven't done that very well. Right. You know,
0: and we, <laughs> we, we talked about the American West, all those buffalo killed. What's the equivalent of, of of killing all the buffalo?
1: I mean, in this case, it really is just making an absolute mess of, of what's above us um, and quickly wrecking this huge opportunity that we have in front of us.